Okay, let's talk motorcycle games and why I don't believe they exist. Coming up. Okay, that's all we ever hear with law enforcement is clubs are gangs. And the general public believes this nonsense. The bad apple defense don't work, according to some people, even though we prove time and time again that it actually does work, especially when it comes to law enforcement. But I wanted to take you on a walk to tell you what a real gang is. Operation Triple Beam. It has been an extensive deal all across the country and so far has netted 300 people and 92 real gangbangers. Let's take a listen real quick. That way you can understand a little bit more about it. In the heat of the summer, 14 state, local, and federal agencies have been putting the heat on criminals over the past 60 days, part of Operation Triple Beam Tidewater. 46 persons wanted for allegedly committing felony offenses, including eight suspects wanted for homicide and 17 suspects wanted for shootings and firearms offenses. In the months of June and July, the U.S. Marshals led a counter-gang initiative across Hampton Roads. Gang-related violence often involves gun-related violence, which inflicts a massive and tragic toll on our communities. The operation also seized 36 guns, $500,000 worth of drugs, and nearly $40,000 in cash. The Norfolk Police Department uh, had a big footprint in terms of those arrested. Since May 31st, two dozen teenagers have been shot or killed in the Hampton Roads area, and officials here say many of the firearm seizures or arrests are related to those crimes. Here in Norfolk, there were 14 individuals arrested, nine of which were gang members. Many were juveniles, says Boone. One of those arrested is connected in the shooting of four kids ages 6 to 16. That happened on Madison Avenue in Norfolk on July the 2nd. Most of these people, um, they've been arrested before. Some of them, that are, they're already out on probation when they get arrested. After a surge in summer gun violence, the streets a bit safer today. But Norfolk Police Chief Larry Boone says this is just the beginning and community-based solutions are in the works. We didn't get you this time. I want to underscore, we'll get you next time. Constitutionally, we really need to focus on our youth, the flow of guns, and poverty. In Norfolk. There you go right there. That was the start of the operation. And it's a sad state of affairs that it's mostly teenagers and stuff. But that was just Norfolk. The operation went all over the country. And I got an update right here from the New York Post. 300 so far have been arrested. 92 alleged gang members, and this was updated on the 12th, and it said more than $4 million has been seized, 
at the end of the six-month operation, and this one is in Texas as well, you know, Texas, where law enforcement does nothing but title clubs gangs there. It's ridiculous. So it produced 351 arrests, 92 alleged gang members, confiscation of 86 guns, 4,360,968 dollars and 32 kilos of illicit drugs. This according to the US Marshal Service and the probe was headed up by the Gulf Coast Violent Offender Task List in cooperation with several federal and state agencies. And the investigation zeroed in on street and prison gangs. Street and prison gangs. Not one motorcycle club was involved in that operation. Now, according to law enforcement, if you are to believe that clubs are these big national gangs, they provide all this dope, they sell all these guns, they're just the biggest, meanest freaking gangs out there, you'd think maybe one or two would have got caught up in this? No. These are true gangs. All this talk about how clubs are gangs, how they work with cartels, how they push these big criminal enterprises is nothing but a joke. A joke that the police use media to propagate their crap. Not one was in this operation. And again, if they were the big bag motorcycle gang, you'd think they'd be caught up into something like this. But no, who was caught up? Prison gangs, street gangs, and a bunch of kids, man. It kind of says, you know, where are we going as a country if we have kids that are into this kind of stuff hardcore? Where the hell's the parents, anyway? I don't know, man. It is what it is. Chicago. Very sad state of affairs here in Chicago. It is a war zone. It is Chirac out here. That's why we call it that. Every day you hear something, but they don't want to cover that. And what else they don't want to cover is that all these big one percenter clubs out of Chicago that they're calling gangs, nobody's involved in anything like that. Nothing. So when you hear motorcycle gangs, make sure that you understand that's just something law enforcement uses to pad their budgets. Let's take a look at uh, how bad it really is here in Chicago. Really bad here in Chicago. Let's take a look real quick. Let me mute this mic so that way I don't screw you. 
Violent weekend in Chicago. A woman was fatally shot while driving in the North Austin neighborhood. If you want to get a sense of how persistent gun violence is in Chicago, look no further than this new measure to stop the bleeding. It's just another layer of security and protection. This month, Chicago began installing bleeding control kits around the city, equipped to treat gunshot wounds before paramedics arrive. Each of the kits contain enough supplies to treat up to eight victims. The city started installing 426 of them in hundreds of city-owned buildings, including libraries and city hall. NBC Chicago reporting the city's Office of Emergency Management and Communication says parks and metro stops will likely be next. So it's basically to uh, stop the bleed. A flyer for the city's program notes the kits can help treat, quote, falls, penetrating injuries, gunshot wounds, and more. The move, just the latest sign of how local governments are reacting to a nationwide rise in shootings last year. The FBI revealed this week that murders jumped 29% in 2020 compared to the year before, the biggest yearly increase since the agency began tracking the data six decades ago. Overall, the rate of murders is still lower than in the 1990s. Back in Chicago... We have a common enemy. It's the guns and the gangs. The, the city has actually, you know, the common enemy would be you, you troll. But anyway, uh, that's how bad it's gotten in Chicago because of true gangs. It was always funny if you ever talk to a neighborhood, especially in Chicago, where a motorcycle club clubhouse was. The people would always talk so positive about a club. So positive. Why? Because the neighborhood was protected. They believe in them and the clubs made the neighborhood safer. And this is especially true because one thing that clubs really do, they put clubhouses in the crappiest parts of the city. And the reason be it's cheaper. But another reason is they believe in the community. So you have these neighbors and people that live around the clubhouse saying, well, this is the safest block around. It sure ain't because the cops are there. I just wanted to get this operation out there so... People can understand, especially independent bikers, because I know a lot of independent bikers are now starting to believe in all this gang crap that the cops push. Oh, they're a motorcycle gang. I know a lot of independents that are believing that. And it's time that you push back on something like that. These are true gangs. These are the ones that are ruining communities. There is no clubs that our cartel organizations are working with them. They're not organized. I always say, and you've heard it before, clubs cannot even get a damn run off without being an hour, two hours late, okay? They're, they're disorganized. So to go around and say they're these multi-million dollar freaking criminal enterprises is just ridiculous. 
Let me know what you guys think in the comments. Pass the video around, especially to an independent. Let them see what a real gang is, what real operations are, and you gotta question the motives of, say, down in Texas, how they're always banging on the clubs, profiling the clubs, the whole nine yards. Don't forget to install us on Roku, Insane Throttle TV. We're on Amazon Fire TV as well. Don't forget to uh, help us reach 10,000 people over on Instagram. But with that, I'm out of there. Let me know what you guys' thoughts are on this. To the extent that pending criminal matters are discussed on this website or YouTube channel, all such charges are merely accusations, and all defendants are presumed innocent until and unless proven guilty in a court of law. This ain't a song for the broken hearted.
Add the Insane Throttle TV app on Roku now. Get content not seen on our other platforms. No censorship, no PC, only biker fun and entertainment. It's hardcore. Again, go over to Roku TV and add the Insane Throttle TV app now. Rock on. Now coming up, we're going to have part one of the most miserable yet incredible winter ride you've ever experienced. This was the topic on a past episode of Black Dragon's Roundtable. The second part of this show will be on tomorrow's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Enjoy. The hell with Hollywood. I didn't screw it up. I didn't screw it up. Ha! Anyway, I'm Black Dragon. Welcome to another edition of Black Dragon Biker TV. And as always, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in from wherever it is in the world that you happen to be. Welcome to a Sunday night roundtable with us. And we will be introducing the roundtable tonight. We've got an incredible, uh, we're going to have fun. You know, we've had a lot of kind of heavy series. Tonight's going to be a fun series. Tonight is called the, like, the most miserable yet incredible uh cold winter motorcycle trip you have ever been on you've ever experienced you've ever survived and we're going to talk about uh a few things tonight we're going to talk about how to make your motorcycle first of all we're going to talk about each one of us going to talk about our just worst incredible ship uh, uh um trip where uh you were off probably a really big pussy because you hadn't learned uh, what you wanted to, what you needed to know yet, or something like that, or you were crying, or you were prospect or probate, whatever the story the guys come up with. Then uh, we're going to talk about how to actually get your bike ready for either a huge winter trip or just to get through the winter at all. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to survive that winter trip. Uh, so that's going to be kind of cool. And uh, we'll be taking questions and things like that tonight. If you uh, actually have a question, uh about uh getting your bike ready for the winter or anything like that you can dial in if you want to on our uh on our number which is 404-692-0336 i'll put that up um so that you guys can have that um and then the but first we're going to start uh this is the uh, you know season for suicide in uh, motorcycle clubs and we're, we have a special guest tonight that's uh, coming from Brothers Keepers Motorcycle Club, and he's going to talk about a suicide prevention run he's got coming up, and we want to talk about suicide prevention among our brother bikers and brother vets. Uh, this is the time of year for that, you know, New uh, uh, Thanksgiving through, like, New Year's. So this is the time when people we know are alone. People need to be reached out to and touched and um, that sort of thing. So we want to make sure that... Uh, we recognize that tonight, and we talk about it. So uh, we're going to bring on the panel, and everybody say hello to the panel. Hell yeah. Uh, so we've got Gonzalo, vice president of the Brothers Keepers Motorcycle Club from Fargo, North to cold-ass Kona. <laughs> Pretty warm right now. Man, how cold is it right what, there? What's warm? Do I make you horny, baby? Oh, my God. 
Get in the mood now by downloading the Insane Throttle Radio app from Google Play for Android Now. Rock on. Well, it was 37 today, so I call that warm. Do you? But, uh, he yeah. calls 37 warm. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Uh, so did you go riding today in the warmth? No, I did not. The roads are pretty shitty. We had a snowstorm and everything. We got uh, had ice, and so the roads were kind of wet, slushy. So it's just like not worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, the Brothers Keepers Motorcycle Club, how old are you guys? We are uh, 11 years. 11 years old? Yep. And uh, uh, where, where do you guys have chapters at? Uh, Bismarck and Fargo, North Dakota. So uh, you you have something coming up. Did you did you send me any, uh, your flyer? I don't see your flyer on my email. Did you send it to me? Yep, I send you an attachment. Uh, it's a, We just have, have a banner right now. We haven't done any flyers or something like that. Um, we had had the. I just took a picture of the banner. Then I had the wizard, which is my son. He's doing all the work for us and everything for the website for the uh, Wish You Were Here ride that we're putting on on uh, well, next tell year. Us ab- tell us about the ride. I don't. I don't see your. Uh, I don't see your banner. But tell us about the ride and what we can know about it and where it's going to be and that sort of thing. Yeah, all right. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to go from uh, Highway eighty three, North Dakota, West Hope, North Dakota. All the way down to Laredo, Texas. It's uh, just bringing awareness for suicide prevention because nobody talks about it or nothing, you know. And uh, it's one of the top ten leading causes of uh, of death, you know. So I've been affected by it, and uh, my brother Mike, he's been affected by it. So we got together, and he's been wanting to do a ride. So we just started talking and everything, and said, "Well, let's just do a ride, you know. Let's just go to Texas, you know." And because he's originally from Texas. So it said, let's just go on Highway 83. It's right down the center of the United States and go border to border. And uh, so then that's how it all started. You know, it, just, it was just going to be him and I. But then uh, after that, well, we started telling people and people have been donating um, stuff for us for auctioning and trying to help us out to raise uh, money for the suicide prevention. So it's been pretty, pretty crazy. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Um, so this ride is going to be when and who can go on this ride? Anybody is going to go. It's going to be July 2nd. Where that's when we're going to start in uh, North Dakota. And we're going to be in Laredo in July 5th. And if you guys go to the website, uh, Wish You Were Here Ride, uh, there, there's all the details there, the stops. If you want to go just for an hour, meet us somewhere. Ride for an hour, meet us at the gas station, whatever. Uh, anybody can join. Uh, we got people coming from California, Michigan, Ohio that have committed that said that they were going to go. At the uh, website, there's a RSVP too, you know, so that because we're going to try to get motels, try to get discounts and stuff, you know, so that people that are willing to do it, you know, because there's no charge for this ride or nothing. It's just you're doing it for because you want to do it. As the people who were doing it for it, if you go to the website, and if you had a loved one that uh, have been caused by this here, you know, you can donate your picture, their picture, and we put them on the website. And uh, these are who we're going to be writing for. So you'll be writing for suicide prevention, 
Uh, you're leaving July 2nd out of um, Fargo, North Dakota, is it? Nope, West Hope, North Dakota. West Hope, North Dakota. Like, is there like any difference in those places? Really? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so you're gonna uh, ride down to uh, Laredo, Texas. Laredo, Laredo. Texas. Um, and anyone can go on the ride with you. Um, Hollywood, we're gonna, where are we gonna be up north? Uh, Algona. <clears throat> Algona, what? Iowa. What? What weekend um, are we doing that? That's gonna that's be that, July. That yeah. The weekend of Fourth uh, of July, yeah. So ours is ours is over on July second, right? Yeah. So we could actually, maybe. Well, I, I can know. come back and ride back up to somewhere in Oklahoma or so and hit you guys up and ride all the way down to Laredo or oh. something with you guys. Oh yeah, or meet up with them in Kansas City. They gotta go to Kansas City if that's the way they're gonna go. If they're gonna go in twenty nine down or uh, however the route is to thirty five. Yeah, maybe the way, we, the way we're gonna do it is how eighty three just for. It's one road for one cause, you know. So oh, that's all. It's all the way down to Laredo. Yeah, Highway yeah. 83. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of this Highway 83. I mean, it's got to be like a two-lane death trap or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's four lanes, and there's a lot of two lanes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, like it's not like 80 or something, 35 or something. Okay. Yeah, no. No, uh, it sounds fun, and there's, there's, you're not taking donations or anything like that. You're not uh, trying to collect money for a cause or anything. Yeah, uh, people have been donating. We started uh, a Vimo account and a PayPal account, and uh, people we've been hitting, started hitting up uh, businesses and stuff. You know, um, there's a company, a couple companies out of Bismarck that have uh, donated some money for us. You know, for uh, the cause and stuff, and uh, we're gonna have. Uh, uh, silent auction. People have been donating items and stuff. You know, uh, axe, knives, helmets. Uh, there's this company, Dakota Customs. They uh, they made a custom helmet for us, and we had an event. They they actually put put an event for us, and we were there. Um, so that's it's been pretty cool. Um, oh, I can't remember. Uh, it's a coffee shop there. It's a uh, I can't remember, but they they donated quite a bit of money for us, you know, so that we could uh, be helped and everything, you know, for whatever we want to do it, you know, use it for us. But where everything that we're trying to get donated and everything is going to be going to uh, suicide prevention. Outstanding, man. That's really cool. Um, I'm glad you're doing this. And uh, we've got something up uh, that will be up in uh, uh, in in. Uh, Iowa, I guess. So I don't know how close we'll be or whatever, but it might work out that we get to ride down with you. Uh, and uh, if we can, suicide prevention for me is uh, very important because uh, I lost a lot of people when I was in the Navy to suicide, especially uh, during this time of year. And I've lost club brothers and stuff uh, throughout the years, but uh, I can always remember. Uh, when I was in Italy, the first suicide I saw, I was in uh, La Maddalena, I believe it was, Italy. And um, th that was a conscript uh, military at that time. And, and, and so, you know, you, uh, serving was compulsory. And right during Christmas, um, they had a lot of guys that would just... Um, uh, um, Call security! 
This is one DJ you don't want to fuck with. You got knocked the fuck out, man! Listen to James Hollywood Machikari Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for Rockin' with Hollywood. And listen to the best 80s heavy metal to today. Rock on! Just pop themselves because they were away from home uh, against their will. So the first uh, suicide I ever saw in the military was some kid who uh, had sh- I had uh, barracks duty, uh, and part of it was the Italian barracks, and a kid killed himself in there, and uh, right during Christmas, and it was just uh, oh, it was just horrible. Uh, you know, there's blood everywhere and brains and all this stuff. It was just horrible. Uh, and it affected me for for many many years, and then um, I uh, had one of my good friends. Oh, actually, he was a he was a a uh, uh, not an enemy, but a guy that uh, I competed very heavily against. When we were in the military. We competed to to be the first in our submarine class, and we 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 didn't really like each other a whole lot. His name was uh, Steve Rincon. I liked him, but I didn't like him. He was a competitor of mine. Uh, but at some point, uh, when we both finally got out of submarine school, we uh, got to um, the uh, uh, t- we got out to our submarines, and and the competition wasn't so heavy. Uh, but we had said so many mean things to one another. Uh, you know, you still didn't want to see that guy do great, uh, or at least not as well as you did. And uh, he tried to reach out to me, and um, he he had asked me if he could talk to me. And I just kind of blew him off. And uh, he had gotten in trouble with the military. They had found out that he had been stealing some parts or whatever. So he's getting ready to go to prison. And uh, he just offed himself. Uh, you know, I, I was going to get back to him the next week. And the next time I got a chance to talk to him, he was gone. And and it just really blew me away because he, he wasn't, I, I would never have expected him to reach out to me. And when he did reach out to me, uh, I wasn't there. I've always felt bad about that. And then there was another guy that I was having a, an, an argument with um, when we were when I was in the Navy at some <coughs> training facility. And that guy and, and myself, we'd gotten into it really bad. And uh, he was trying to write me up on charges. And I was, uh, you know, we were really head to head. And uh, the next, he went home that night and the next day he was dead. And it, it seems that his uh, wife had been cheating on him. And then I, I lost another two guys, you know, all within the span of a few years. Uh, I lost another couple guys uh, to wives that were cheating on them. And uh, after a while, it was just like people were dropping left and right and left and right. And uh, and a few of those people I had, had reached out or something, and you, you they didn't show any. You know, people that really want to commit suicide don't really show any signs. Uh, they're just gone. So that was my experience with suicide. It was really, really sucked, and this is uh, one of the reasons that I'm 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 so passionate about it. Do any of you other guys want to speak about uh, uh, any experiences you might have had? Yeah, I do. I'd like to weigh in after Shaggy's done. Um, <laughs> thanks, ma'am. Um, the reason why I popped in is I talked to to Black Dragon about this. So uh, my first uh, year in the Navy. Um, uh, yeah, Shaggy does have a human side. Here it comes. Uh, catch it because it ain't going to last long. Um, my uh, oldest brother, uh, my, my best friend in the world, a guy that beat me up every day for, you know, 18 years, uh, uh, committed suicide. And uh, 
I had just gotten home from Okinawa. It was my first deployment. And um, so I, I went to his funeral and, and we buried him. And, and uh, it, it really affected me in, in my way of thinking because he was the one when we were kids that we talked about, you know, when we grow up, we're getting Harley Davidson's going to join a motorcycle club and we're going to take over the world type shit. And, uh, you know, uh, suicide uh, is a very, um, a permanent, very permanent solution for a temporary problem. Uh, I became very versed in suicide, teaching suicide awareness uh, after that uh, with the military. You know, the reason why the holidays are so hard for our military is because they're deployed without their families. And uh, it's not that they're deployed against their will because they're out there doing a good deed uh, protecting our country. But um, there wasn't in the past. There is now a, a little bit better help, but there wasn't in the past any any forums to go to. There wasn't anybody to talk to. Everybody's like, hey, man, put your pulley bootstraps up tight. You know, it's time to turn and burn, you know, get out there and work. Um, and, and, uh, the first suicide, the military I seen, uh, we were in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, we were doing the Haitian liberation deal and, um, the Marines had just taken over and, uh, uh, had taken, um, over for the army. And, uh, this guy was a young, uh, private, just got married. Um, his wife sent him a dear John letter and, uh, we heard the pop, you know, he went to the armory, got his gun out said he was going to clean it. Um, it, we heard the pop and it took us about a half hour and me and another guy found him. Um, you know, it, I'm not going to explain the site, but it, it's, it, it lived with me for about two or three years because that's how my brother killed himself. So I had a lot of nightmares about that for a while. Um, you know, um, if you're feeling in any way, shape or form, like you, you're depressed and you need somebody to talk to man, um, call everybody you can call. Uh, if you got somebody giving you, all their important stuff or they're giving their things away and they're talking about, you know, um, they see, uh, you know, uh, may, this may be the last time they see you or something like that. Those are all red flags. Pay attention to stuff like that. Um, listen to your loved ones, listen to your, your, uh, military members that are serving and, and are related to you because they're going to give sides off. It, it's, it's a proven thing that people who uh, are, committing suicide, they give off signs first because that's their way of reaching out and saying, hey, I need somebody to help me, somebody to talk to me. Take that shit seriously, man. Um, remember, you know, today is called the present for a reason. It's a gift. Tomorrow's the future. It's not guaranteed. You know, um, this time of year is very difficult for people because, you know, it's all about family gatherings and sometimes things happen where those things don't happen. And uh, people take that family unit to heart you know um the biker community is pretty harsh with suicide but some over the years things have kind of changed with it because uh, these people really have uh, a disease D a depression is a disease it's a it's, it's something that can be treated you know uh but you have to be willing to pay attention to the signs you have to be willing to pay attention to the red flags and you got to listen to those who um are doing odd things that they've never done before. Uh, be supportive. It, it's really hard to do because people who don't deal with depression don't understand it. I'm one of those. Um, I have family members that deal with it, and, and I don't understand it. Um, um, so, uh, Hello, what station are you listening to right now? What? Wow. This is The Morning Baby. Really? 
That was so exciting. Tune in every morning at 8.15 Central Standard Time for The Hoop with China Dow and Hollywood on WNMRDB Rockford. Be there for one another. If anything, this time of year, call on your brothers who might be, you know, alone because they don't have family. A lot of our, our brothers in this lifestyle don't have families. That's why they come to clubs, because of that brotherhood and that unity. Um, check on them. Care about them. Show them you love them. Be your brother's keeper. Uh, and, and take care of your families. And, and hug each other every day. Tell each other you love each other every day. You know, that shit's very important. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Tank, uh, what do you got to say, man? Uh, when I've been a I've been a frontline spectator on the suicide prevention for a long time. Uh, my mom and dad were part of Samaritans USA. My mom was uh, part of the administrator for for Befrienders International. Uh, the Cape Cod, Massachusetts chapter was started by my mom and Monica Dickens, Charles Dickens' gra- uh, granddaughter. So you know, I mean, I remember high school. They divert the the calls at, after ten o'clock at night. My mom and dad would be fielding calls from people that. Uh, you know, we're calling into the center, you know, and so I couldn't answer the phone, you know, so I tell my friends, hey, man, you know, get your shit out of the way before 10 o'clock because they're diverting the calls here to my house. But but further to Shaggy's point, you're right. I mean, the, the, one of the first signs is they, they do reach out. Um, there's a lot of warning signs. They'll, they'll start talking about the problem. Um, they'll be, you know, you'll, like I said, selling their shit, um, you know, that they're in a real bad place. Listen to them. But one thing I have found out, too, is that they will reach that point. Um, where they've made that decision. And the warning sign for that decision usually is that they'll, you'll find a calmness has come over them. And it's not because, uh, oftentimes, it's not because they've learned to deal with their problem. It's because they've determined their manner in which they're going to do it. Um, through all of the, the years with the suicide prevention and all the, the efforts that my mom and dad put into uh, the Samaritans and Befrienders, Befrienders International, um, my mom's sister still committed suicide. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's you know, a lot of things you can do. Another thing I want to say, too, is that, I mean, suicide itself, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's immediate in a lot of cases, but there are some people that will commit suicide over a long period of time, and they'll do it with substance abuse. Um, I had a very a friend who was very dear to me who I should have listened to, I should have taken in. I was selfish about it, uh, and uh, 86 him out of my life. Uh, when at point in time when he was reaching out and he uh, he fell further and further and further into alcoholism and heroin and he was truly trying to kill himself and he ended up dying behind a behind a store in the winter sitting next to a dumpster. So, uh, like uh, like Shaggy said, listen listen to him. T- tell people you love them. Do it every day. Uh, listen to to when somebody's got a problem. When somebody's coming to when they're reaching out to you, they're doing it for a reason. So uh, you know. Open your open your mind up, open your ears up, and listen. We appreciate that. What about you, uh, uh, Wild? Well, I have a little hit. I mean, just from a brother, uh, I had a felt attempt of suicide. Uh, came in late to two other friends that committed suicide, walked in the room. One was already aspirating, took a bunch of pills. Uh, he didn't make it. And um, this, a friend of mine, this girl, committed suicide with a shotgun. We were about five minutes behind, a little too late. Um, we heard the cry for help, but then we we still went over there to check on her. And then it was too late. Uh, one of the things that I noticed too is like they do come out trying to see if people notice. Sometimes quietly, 
if they're in a group of people, they kind of sit to the side and they want to see, does anyone notice me? Does anyone notice I'm missing? Does anyone care about me? And um, sometimes you have to take a step back. It's not verbally that they're trying to reach out, but they do things physically and see if you react and care or see little detail things um, about them. Sometimes there's little signs that are, are out there that they are trying to see if people notice or not. Um, so, I mean, suicide is a big thing. And one of the things I was reading recently, I think suicide attempts jumping off bridges out of whoever survived jumping off the bridge and they're kind of crippled. They said that once they jumped, they had instant regret, uh, the ones that survived. So some of them, once they take that chance, that leap, they regret it right away that they jumped. But it was like, you know, too late at that point. That's a slower um, – it takes longer to think a little bit before like a gunshot or so. So, but yeah, it's, it's a real disease out there. And it's like, like the Shaggy was saying, depression is a real disease and we can't take it too lightly. Some people don't take medication, not too much medication right now from the, in healthcare, everybody treats everything with medication and some people overdo the medications. You know, I, I, I do remember seeing a, a special about this guy who jumped off of the golden state, bridge uh and survived and he said the minute he went over the side it was like uh i think i've done the wrong thing and uh he fought like hell for his life uh and and survived the unthinkable when he uh survived that fall another guy i saw on television who drank some drano uh to to kill himself and he said immediately after he drank it he was sorry that he did it so i i concur with you uh, a lot of people who survive suicide uh can tell you no that's not what i really needed to be doing so we want to put that out there also i want to say uh you have friends that you know are alone and you have friends that you know are are may have had some sort of crisis someone die or something so be incumbent upon yourself to take a look at those people and uh, tell them uh, I love you and, and I'm thinking about you and, and call those, your friends and family. To... And we lost him. Hey, Gonzalo. Tell your friends and uh, family. Don't, you didn't lose me, damn it. Tell your friends and family. I hit the wrong number uh, button. So, um, listen, uh, what about you, Dirty? Uh, what do you have to say about this? Man, I got a whole lot to say about it. Um, other than... I've come to find out in the club world and probably even in the military world, as long as you give a guy something to do, a mission, that's going to help him out greatly. You know, it always seems like when guys kill themselves or whatever, it's because they feel worthless. They feel they don't have any fucking purpose in life. And if you give them a purpose, you give them a mission, you give them something to do, then they tend to stay, you know, stay alive longer. It's sort of like that whole thing, you know, the number one cause of death is retirement. You know, it seems like if people got a reason to get up in the morning, they'll stay getting up in the morning. So, you know, if you're in a club and you got a brother that's going through hard times or something, talk to him. Maybe give him a task. Maybe give him something to do, you know, like say, hey, man, we're going to go ride and I need you to be on this ride with me. Or, hey, man, I need you to come with me to this event or this party. You know, just try to get him out of the house, get him involved, get him, you know, stop, get him out of his own head is essentially what I would recommend is get people out of their own head. Cause a lot of times it's just, they get stuck in their own head and yeah, bad things happen. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, Danny D low? 
I don't really have much to say on it, to be honest, because uh, I've never really dealt with like a brother or a friend killing himself. Um, you know, I've had people that I knew killed himself, but, uh, you know, I, I've never really dealt with it. You know, I, I've dealt with the other side of it, you know, having anxiety, depression, dealing with that, PTSD, uh, shit like that. But yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say on that part. I think Dirty's right, though. I mean, especially in the club world, you know, if you got a brother that is um, reaching out and, and he's uh, acting funny or whatever, you know, I mean, that's that's what's being in a club is all about, is being able to count on your brothers to come, you know, hang out with you, come chill with you, spend a little time with you, talk with you, whatever it is. And like Dirty said, you know, give them a task, uh, make them feel a little more important in the club, whatever, you know what I mean? But that's about, that's about really all I got to say on that part. What about you, Hollywood? Well, uh, first off, I would... Uh want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Kentucky right now. That tornado has killed over 100 people right now, and they're still going through it. Uh, Illinois, Kentucky, it was just terrible, man, terrible. Uh, but on the thing about suicide, there might be times you don't even know that they're showing signs, and I think a case like that would have to be like Robin Williams, man. This guy was the most outgoing person around, but nobody knew what was going on and he had ended up killing himself. So you got to really look. Right. And if you guys remember way, way back when uh, Eddie Prince, you guys remember that guy? Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince. Yeah. From uh, Chico and the man. Yeah. He just looked around one day and he was gone. Uh, So anyway, uh, Gonzalo, uh, who we call El Jefe, the VP of um, Brothers Keepers MC. Uh, tell us the uh, website that uh, you guys have up or you guys are going to be putting up. Uh, and we're definitely going to have you back on the show between now and July so that we can press this and, and make sure that everybody knows what's going. So where can people go to find out about this ride and how to participate in it? Yeah, we got a uh, Facebook page. It's called uh, Wish You Were Here Ride. And uh, we also got a website it's called Wish You Were Here Right. Uh, there on the website, we got a lot of uh, my son. We call him the wizard. He's the one that is 12 years old when we started talking about this. And we couldn't. We were trying to get people to donate their time to they would do the website for us. And nobody wanted to give us the time. You know, some they kind of said, well, we can help you start it. But we don't know. We can um, go with it, you know. And I asked my my kid. And, and my son goes, yeah, I know how to do it. It's like. What do you mean? He goes, yeah, they taught us at school. So he's the one running the website, you know. So they send us pictures and stuff, and uh, we let him know, and he puts them up. And my brother Mike and I, uh, we run the Facebook page. So, uh, but, yeah, hit us up. Check it out on, on Facebook. And uh, we're always there. Uh, here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be going down to Laredo, to Texas, and uh, going to be talking over there to uh, Pillar and see if uh, we can probably end there and uh, have a, a little cookout or a little party that, you know, the end of the ride, you know. So, um, all right, a lot man. of things that's, going on. That's yeah, really cool. I'll probably, I'll probably uh, meet you guys up and uh, probably ride back up to Abilene or something. So you guys are going to probably run through Abilene. Yep, yep. All right, so uh, stay with us, Gonzalo. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, head off to a commercial real quick. 
and then we'll come on with our second segment, which will be the uh, story about, uh, or we'll be telling our stories about the worst ride uh, we ever endured, encountered, and survived uh, in the winter. So that'll be our next segment coming up in just a second. Uh, and Gonzalo, hang out with us so that uh, we can hear your story. So all of that after this. Prepare yourself to take the helm as president of your mighty... Add the Insane Throttle TV app on Roku now. Get content not seen on our other platforms. No censorship, no PC. Only biker fun and entertainment. It's hardcore. Again, go over to Roku TV and add the Insane Throttle TV app now. Rock on. Maybe next time you want to play sound with that, BD. It it tickles me. His mic's muted, and he's so happy that he's so good. He got to laugh. And he starts laughing. He's so proud of himself, and then nothing. All right, BD. <laughs> BD's had a long week, man. Wait a minute. I did it right. I just when I when I was doing all this this show off stuff, I hit the wrong damn. Like now. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Damn! Get the book! We're, we're going to have to teach you the ta-da moment. It's all, you, you keep your cool points if you just stand up and go, ta-da! Get the book! <laughs> we just need to give you a sign, man. <laughs> so, uh, winter. Uh, we're in the middle of winter, and there are still some intrepid motorcycle club riders who um or and bikers and independents who ride motorcycles year round <laughs> through the winter or like my brothers and I go on an amazing winter trip like our cold ass run to the mother chapter that happens every February in the middle of the year. Uh we ride to from uh uh basically Atlanta, Georgia or Macon, Georgia, all the way to the mother chapter in uh San Diego, California. Mostly uh, the second week of February, sometime either around Valentine's Day or President's Day. And it can be anywhere from a uh, four or five day to ten day ride. So uh, what we want to talk about tonight uh, for those of you guys who ride year round or those of you guys that are that want to make a trip like that, uh, something like that. We want to talk about the worst uh, yet the most miserable yet most incredible ride you ever had uh, through the winter uh, and survived. And so we just want to hear everybody's story. And let's not have them too long. And Gonzalo, since you are the guest, El Jefe, are you ready? You're looking like you're having some trouble over there. Are you ready? Yeah, I just had to go get my charger. My battery said battery low. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, and you know what? Uh, I guess I need to put it back on. Everybody, there we go. So, uh, Gonzalo, uh, uh, El Jefe, uh, tell us about your trip and uh, the most miserable yet incredible uh, winter trip you ever survived. Well, uh, it was back in uh, 16. We had a uh, spring ride in, uh, in uh, Bismarck, and I'm out of Fargo, and I took off like 
I don't know, I think it was like three o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. And they were talking about snow and sleet. I was like, ah, it's already spring. It ain't going to happen. And yeah, sure enough, man, it started snowing. I was just like, oh, shit. Just kept looking at the temperature, make sure it wasn't going to be freezing. And uh, I made it. It was good. They didn't have a helmet. Um, but ask me now, do I have a helmet? I got a full face helmet now, and I love it during this cold weather and uh, when it rains, especially. But uh, I've also been up to, uh, up in, a, it was in October, went to go with my dad uh, drive some uh, sugar beet trucks. And uh, it was nice, 50, 60 degree weather. And uh, got over there, helped him out for a week. And yeah, next thing you know, they were talking about snow. I was like, ah, it ain't gonna be bad. It'll melt. Man, we got like six inches and I got stuck over there and ended up putting the bike on the back of a pickup and trailer <laughs> brought it back home. But, oh, wow, man. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, what what lessons did you learn from either one of those couple of trips? Well, I learned that uh, pay attention to the weather, you know, and don't take it for granted. And uh, carry some... Uh, those heat warmer hand grips deal, you know, and um, those heating packs, put them on your boots, you know, double socks and, and go, you know, and, uh, and a helmet. Now that's, that's one thing that uh, I've been writing for a few years, you know, and uh, I just barely got one because uh, here in May, we took a ride and down to Amarillo. We have to go through Nebraska and it's a helmet law there. So that's why I bought it. It's like, I'll just buy it. And, and uh, man, I've been riding some cold weather here, 40 degrees, and put that helmet, and it makes a big difference. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I love the helmet now. All the difference in the world. Uh, we appreciate your story. And full wow. face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that full face helmet is the real deal. Uh, wild. Wild on twos from Wild on Twos. Uh, podcast and uh youtube channel uh check him out every week uh wild on t-w-o-s's right really <laughs> or is it just the number two <laughs> number two yeah no uh mine was just when i started it's i don't really i mean florida and texas we don't really ride uh i mean th- like today 34 degrees four hour ride my hands are freezing other than that i don't really Catch much uh, cold other than when I was 23 years old. That's when I really got into the set, around the set. And I was leaving my other side of me. And I was riding a 1957 BSA Classic. And I had to make a run to Chicago. And I decided to take the, the Classic. Uh, in two, 2003, I think we just had MapQuest. So I just printed out the MapQuest. But, of course, we don't have navigation uh no cell phones back i didn't have a cell phone or anything else i don't think they, they were invented yet or they probably were i don't know um had calling cards stop at tolls and i went from uh central florida to i think i stopped in tallahassee tallahassee to atlanta my goal was go to nashville but then i went to chattanooga thinking that was nashville then i ended up going to nashville they wanted to go to louisville went to evansville uh, and that's when I noticed the cold really picked up, and I've never been in cold weather before. I'm Cuban from Miami. Uh, that was probably the coldest weather I've been in. And then uh, I had to go to Chicago, but I had to make a mandatory stop for certain reasons. So I had to go to Indianapolis, uh, Dayton, 
and uh, I think I went straight to Chicago from Dayton. No, I went to Fort Wayne, then Dayton. So it was um, supposed to be an 18-hour ride, but I think it took me three days from all the stops or so. But that was the worst thing I probably felt, my lower back on the DSA, stopping, uh, I think it was only a four-gallon tank. So uh, 650cc. Uh, so I'll stop in a lot, which helped me. But that was probably the shittiest ride. And then the way back, I mean, I was dreading the way back. So that was my crappiest ride. Did you... Uh... Did you cry? What did, did you What did you do to to, uh, to 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 make it through? Did you just tough it out, or did I was you trying to cry, but the tears were freezing. My, <laughs> no, I mean uh, that was the first time I, I I witnessed all the cold. Like I didn't have no goggles or bullshit or sunglasses or uh, I I think uh, my backpack flew off the bike miles behind. I didn't pay attention at the gas stop. I looked back. I was missing all my 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 little bag I had wrapped. Went back, found it all tossed in the street, picked it all up, got a garbage bag, wrapped it with duct tape all in the back, started going. It started fucking raining at a certain point. Had to take off all the duct tape to put, you know, I mean, it was just a mess all around. I mean, I was not prepared for this shit at all. Uh, I thought it was going to be, uh, yeah, I was a little uh, cocky Cuban boy from Miami thinking, I can do this. Mind you, I just started learning how to ride not long um, and that's all for Motorcycle Madhouse this morning. Don't forget to go over to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Install Insane Throttle TV's channel over on Roku. As well as go get the Insane Throttle radio app over on Google Play. Rock on until next time.